welcome to another exciting episode of Legends in the Dark, home of the hosts who can boast the most ghosts. My name is Jay. Try saying that five times fast. My name is Leslie. Never. (laughs) How are you today, Leslie? I'm not too bad. It's uh, nice and cool this week, so weather's nice. It's Friday. Only about like 80 degrees. Yeah, it's Friday, and we're getting very close to fall and (gasps) Halloween. Ooh, I know, right? Halloween during COVID. That ought to be fun. Well, you know, I saw this great tweet about how a lot of people were like, hey, you know, come on, Halloween's on a Saturday, it's a full moon, it's... I forgot what else, something else was going on. And it's like the perfect Halloween. And so a lot of people are upset that they're not going to get to celebrate it. And someone tweeted where it was, and it went viral, where it was basically like, that just means you just want to dress up as like a slutty nurse, and you're upset that you can't do it. Halloween means to me is I get to cuddle in my favorite sweater, in my favorite blanket, drink hot chocolate, and watch scary movies. And I was kind of like, yeah, that does sound pretty sweet. That is a nice, a nice thought. Especially since it's going to be on a Saturday. So. Yeah. Is it Halloween usually fit on like Mondays and Tuesdays, like the last three years in a row or something like that? Well, it's because, you know, when you have a leap year, which I think this year was a leap year, but it, it sometimes feels like it pushes certain years, it pushes you closer to the weekend for certain holidays. And other times it skips over the weekend. Like I remember one time where Halloween was supposed to be on a Saturday and we had a leap year. And went on a Monday. And I was like, well, heck. <laughs> that sucks. But... Do we, do we really need a leap year, though? I have no idea that, anymore. <laughs> it's like daylight savings time. I think it's kind of like, do we really need it? I like do how we... I like how you kind of almost did the Thor. Like, do you, though? Do you, though? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm really excited because I won't lie. I'm probably going to be doing more ghost stories because I'm already getting out all my ghost books and buying all the ghost magazines and Halloween magazines I'm seeing already. So I'm very excited. How about you? Uh, you excited that winter's coming? Oh, yes. Especially since I'm not Sean Bean. <laughs> Game of Thrones reference. See, I know. I watch stuff. Or bastard dies in like every role he's ever been in. I actually I started watching a show he was in, the the Frankenstein Chronicles on um it's on Netflix, and I was like, oh, so he's the main character. There's no way he could die. Then like you know midway through the first season or towards the end of the first season he dies, but he I, gets brought back. I but can... I was like, but he gets. I was like, you know, spoiler alert. I don't know, whatever, you know, spoiler alert. He comes back, but I know a movie he doesn't die in. Hmm. The Martian. Martian. The one with Matt Damon. He was in that movie? Yeah, he played the flight director. Oh, yeah, I guess it's kind of hard for them to kill him there. Although it would have been interesting <laughs> to see to see them try, though. It's just, just when you thought the flight director was going to make it. Pow! Well, nope. Well, but what's ironic, though, is... Okay, spoilers. In the book... So, in the movie, there's this whole... Have you seen the movie? I did, yeah. Okay, so spoilers. If you want to skip 30 seconds... I do give away a little bit of the, the movie, twist of the movie. There's a part in the movie where basically they come up with a plan to get Matt Damon home and NASA doesn't want to do it. So someone secretly sends the plans to the crew so the crew could just overwrite it and do it on their own. And in the book, it's 
hinted that's the flight director. But in the book, the guy who plays, um, what's his name? Jeff Daniels character doesn't outright say you did it. They just, they dance around it like it kind of is, I know you did it. But the other guy's like, oh, I'm not going to say I did it. And that's how it ends. Like the guy still has his job. In the movie, basically Jeff Daniels is like, you know, I want your resignation, you know, once we get the astronauts home. And then at the end, you know, Sean Bean basically is like retired or, you know, he's just, he's golfing now. But what's really funny is I was telling Chris, I'm like, so he did, they didn't kill him, but they killed off his career because that wasn't in the book. So that was just like really funny to me where it's like, oh, Sean Bean, something of his has to die. <laughs> they've got to, they've got to hit him somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going first tonight, right? Yeah, I've got a long one, so you are going first. Okay, let's start this up. So let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Ashley, I need to look up one thing real fast because I want to show you a picture. Oh my god, so so unorganized. I am you're too to, organized. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to have all this stuff done like already, but you had to go make tea. So I understand. I, you know British. what? I'm not going to give up my tea. It's always You're British. <laughs> tea always takes precedent over everything. So A little bit. A little bit. Okay, I want to show you this picture. Let me do a little history here. So when you were gone, I think it was a, six months ago or so, you were out of town and we couldn't, we couldn't record. And so I did some listener stories. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that episode. I know we kind of talked about it when you got back. But there was a listener episode who sent me a, um, sent us a ghost picture. Or she thinks it's a ghost picture. Like, it's a really weird picture. And I guess it's ghost picture is not the right word. But it's just basically a weird picture. And she said she was in Victoria doing a ghost walk, ghost tour. And she took a picture. And I'm going to read the story. But basically, she took this picture and this is what it came out. So one, the lady, the tour guide, his face is very distorted. And I put that on our Instagram. Now, I had to cut out the guy. It was one of another tourist because, you know, we don't have permission and I didn't want to put his image out there. But I wanted to show you because I'm basically doing the hotel that this tour guide talked about on this tour and then where this picture was taken. But I looked at it for some inspiration when I was trying to find the um, woman's story again. And I forgot how creepy this, this picture kind of is. Let's see. Can yeah, you see it? Hopefully I'll be able to see it. Can you see it? Uh, am I, I'm supposed to be looking at the woman's face. Yeah, see her face, how it's, how it's distorted? Yeah, yeah, I do see that. And so see, like, the guy next to, him, next to her is very clear. Mm-hmm. So isn't that weird? A little weird. Yeah, so I'm basically going to reread her story again. So for listeners who may have heard that story before, this is from Crystal. For um, listeners who listened to the story, you probably skip 30 seconds. This is going to be the first time you've heard it, Jay. Her subject line was, Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada, <laughs> our home and native land. Okay, you can go ahead. <laughs> Dear Legends in the Dark, Recently I went on a trip to Canada. While in Victoria, I took a ghost tour that walked through the city seeing the sights. While the guide would tell us ghost stories and about various hauntings, we got to the Empress Hotel and the tour guide told us about a creepy happenings. I decided to take a few pictures. I took the pictures, listened to the story, and we moved on. 
That night, when I got back to the hotel, I began looking through my photos and posted a few on Instagram. When I got to the picture of the tour guide in front of the Empress Hotel, I got creeped out. I noticed the picture I took is crystal clear. Though the hotel is clear, there was another tourist in the picture and he was clear, but the tour guide, while her body was clear, her face was fuzzy, almost as if she moved a little bit. But here's the weird part. Her hair and head were clear, only her face was blurred. I was so creeped out, I didn't post it until the next day. Here is the pic. P.S. Funny story, the guy slash tourist in the picture looking at the tour guide, he was WTF face because he and his family were staying at the Empress Hotel that night. Thanks for reading, Crystal. I uh, read that and I read a couple others and looked at the picture and I posted it. And it was, I mean, you saw it. It's a creepy hotel. I'm sorry, creepy hotel. It's a creepy picture. And that guy does have this WTF face. Like, what? I would describe that as a WTF face, yes. Yes. So I decided tonight I wanted to do a little bit more research. And I am doing the Empress Hotel. So my sources is the letter, Wikipedia, Reader's Digest, and Travel, I'm sorry, Trip Advisor. So the Fairmont Empress Hotel is commonly referred to as the Empress. It's located in Victoria, British Columbia. This chateauesque building is one of the oldest hotels in Victoria, built in 1904, and it was opened in 1908. The hotel has seen a long history, including in 1919 a gala in the hotel's crystal ballroom attended by no other than Edward, the Prince of Wales. King George VI and Queen Elizabeth also visited the hotel in 1939. Over the years, it's been renovated and is still a working hotel today. Here are some ghost stories and hauntings that have been reported. So legend has it that the architect of the Empress, Sir Francis Raddenberry, whose own story is one of true crime, is said to haunt the hotel. Raddenberry was bludgeoned to death by his 17-year-old chauffeur, George Stoner, who was also having an affair with his mistress. A man suspected to be Rattenberry is seen on the staircase to the lower lobby and also walking around the grounds, outside grounds, in a cane. With a cane, I should say. Oh, he's got to stay stylish even in death, right? Right. Another story involves a chambermaid who went to stand on a fire escape only to find it was moved because of construction. Lizzie McGarth fell from the sixth story, the same floor she is seen to today. A carpenter is also seen in the hotel who hung himself. Now, this is kind of weird. I don't know. One story said he hung himself, didn't say where. Another story said it was on the sixth floor. So I'm not quite sure where, but some people say they do see a man on the sixth floor. You want to see, you don't want to know what's strange. Ever wonder why, okay, so they say the chambermaid fell from the ledge, whatever, and now she's seen on the ledge. Like, wouldn't it make more sense if she was seen on the ground right below the ledge? Well, it was also, I, think it's, ledge? I think it's that she's seen in the sixth floor. Like, it seems like all of these are on the floors themselves. But she fell. So I'm just like saying, like, why is, I'm being, I'm being nitpicky about it. I'm just saying, like, Ghosts are weird like that. He's like, well, I fell. 
I died on the ground, but, you know, I'm going to make my way back up to the sixth floor and just kind of wander around up there. It kind of reminds me of that movie, the Stephen King um, movie. Oh, what's it? Is it 1408? 1408 or 1406? And, yeah, everyone in his hotel room, spoilers again, everyone in, he sees all, like, the basically the last moments of all these people, and a couple of them are, they jump off the building. So that is kind of weird. Like, you do have a point, like, I guess like yeah, if you died in the building, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. You're wandering around the building. That's where you died. But if you jumped off a ledge, you didn't die in the building. You died on the ground. So I would figure they it would make sense if they found you wandering around the grounds of the of the place. But you know, okay, so you're wandering around on the floor. But you know, I was thinking if it's true, like there's a theory out there. That sometimes high emotion will imprint, and that's why some of these places that have travesties and high emotion is a reason why. But even even high pleasure and high happiness, that those feelings get imprinted, and that's what we're seeing. And it's not so much ghosts, but it's basically the essence of what that was. So that's why, like sometimes you'll see a king in his old castle or someone who's basically about to die instead of being on the ground it's that moment that you know that maybe they're about to fall or you know the basically the minute that it was too late to go back i mean that could be a theory i would feel like the the moment right before they hit the ground would be the moment that you can't go back i see what you mean but mm -hmm. got one yep. more story so here we go the last story involves an elderly woman the report goes that an older woman in pajamas knocks on um, the guest doors. So he, you just hear this little click, click, click. Now, it's not very clear, but either she stands there and doesn't say anything, or she actually tells the people that she's lost. Because the, how the story goes when I read a couple of accounts of this is that guests try to help her find her room. And then she leads them towards the elevator, and then she vanishes when they get to the elevator. How creepy is that? If you're just walking down to, okay, let me help you. You know, let's. Is this your room? Do you want to go to the lobby? And then all of a sudden, you know, it. And it's not really clear if the woman talks or not. So I don't know what's creepier if this woman's actually talking to you and then vanishes, or this like creepy old woman is just walking with you and you're trying to help her, and then she vanishes. I don't know which one would be more creepier. I think it's creepier if she talks to you first because Same then you're like, here. oh, I feel like I feel like I'm having a conversation with a with a real person or something like that. And the next thing you know, it's like poof, she's gone, and she's like, <gasps> oh my god. And there's so many stories like that where people actually have conversations or they hear someone talking and they're like, oh, that's a person, and then it disappears. Oh, like, we, what? I forget if it was either you or me. We one of us did a story where we were talking about. Uh, like somebody who was talking to somebody who who had died in a plane crash in the war or something like that. And he was literally talking to the guy like he had just walked in and was like, oh, hey, how's it going? And they say like, who are you talking to? He was like, oh, I was talking to this guy. And they're like, oh, wait, didn't you hear? His plane went down like six hours ago. He's dead or something like that. I feel like that was the one when I did the Brit the the British airport. It was it Manchester yeah. airport? I, I yeah, think, I think it was, that was it. Yeah, there. Oh gosh, there are so many really good airport ones i just heard another one and i won't go into it because it'd be another story but it, it's really 
like interesting to hear the accounts of people have full on conversations. And I think I've told the story before. I always remember the one that in the show Sopranos, the guy, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who played Christy, um, he did the celebrity ghost story and he said he lived in um, the Chelsea Hotel in New York and he came home one day and he was he got off the elevator and there was this woman in a period dress crying her eyes out like like really really deep sobs he went over and he's like hey are you okay i mean he didn't go over over but like i think he took like a step he's like hey are you okay and as soon as like she looked up the light behind him like went out and when he turned around to look at the light and then turned back she was gone but he it's not that she vanished from him but she was in front of a door so she thought he thought she got pulled into the door or she just left and yeah. then later when he found out that this is the ghost that haunts um, the floor and everyone's like kind of seen her and had an experience, the biggest thing for him was that it didn't feel like a ghost experience or something creepy. It just felt like someone was sitting there crying and he wanted to help. And to me, that is so scary. Like I, I can be having a conversation and not know until something happens someone vanishes or someone like just suddenly is not there anymore like you know if i turn around and turn back so maybe i think they go they just walked away real fast that's such a good story i love that story if you ever watch ever have a chance watch celebrity ghost stories i really like some of the stories that are on there yeah that's pretty good yeah so on TripAdvisor. They kind of talk about the little old lady. So one review from October of 2016, and this review, I didn't write it down because it was really long, and it was actually a real review about, like, you know, it, they were having construction, and we were mad that we couldn't go into the spa. And so it was actually a real review. And then, like, in, in the, about midway down, they talk about how um, – they talk about getting a faint knocking at their door at 4.11 a.m., Later on in their trip, they took a ghost tour and had a little old lady knocking, and they heard the little old lady's knocking story, and they think that's what they must have heard. Could it be? Could it not be? But I think it's kind of interesting where this review was not anything about, oh, it's haunted, and this is a, it was actually a review saying, yeah, this hotel might be haunted, but here's all the other stuff that was kind of wrong with it at the time because they were doing construction. And then I just have one more reviewer, and this one is from 2017, and it tells about a construction worker falling from the sixth floor, and then in the group, two women were going up the elevator, and when they tried getting off of the sixth floor, there was a man blocking them and not like letting them through. I guess he looked like a construction worker, so they thought that was weird. Ghostly, maybe not, but still a pretty creepy story if I was in a hotel. Pretty creepy, yeah. I would never stay in that hotel. I wouldn't mind. I just don't think I would stay on the sixth floor. So now, if any of the stories were this told by the tour group, and it sounded like one person did take a, a ghost tour, and you hear the little lady knocking, can you imagine like being on the tour, hearing the story, and then realizing your family is staying there? So that's why the guy had a WTF face. No, you know why he had that WTF face? Is because the lady's face was blurred in real life. Oh my god, that would be so creepy. So I'll probably put the picture again on Instagram, but I can't put the guy's face again because I don't know him, man, and I don't want to 
uh, put his image out there. But if you look at, if you really look at the picture, everything else is so clear. Like the hotel is clear, her clothes are clear. Like it's not, and it's not like she moved her. Like even if she moves her head, your your hair and your neck and stuff, it's going to be fuzzy. But it literally is just like from the top of the forehead to just like the chin. Yeah, that's a, that's a little that's that's a little strange. Like, yeah, you think all the whole head should be blurred, but just not just like the facial area. Yeah. So, anyway, that is the Empress Hotel in Good Canada. <laughs> yeah, I think of all the ghosts, I think the little lady knocking on my door is more creepy. Is the creepiest. Like, I think I can handle the chambermaid and okay, some guy on the elevator, or whatever. But someone like actually, like, you're actually performing a service. Like, oh, hey, yeah, let me come and help you. Do you need to go to the lobby? And then them just, like, basically getting you to the elevator and being like, see ya, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, creepy. So I guess uh, it's your turn. It is my turn. Where are you taking us tonight? So today we're taking us to the UK to talk about the Black Monk of Pontefract. Such a good story. I've heard this story on Astonishing Legends and on paranormal lockdown okay so i'm gonna sit here quietly with my tea and listen to the story you do that all right so this story occurred back in 1966 at number 30 east drive on the checkerfields estate in east yorkshire uk in the town of pontefract this unassuming house stood on a corner at the top of a hill and was owned by Jean and Joe Pritchard, their son Philip, aged 15, and daughter Diane, aged 12. The events began in the August of 1966 during the August bank holiday week. The family, most of the family, went on holiday to Devon, leaving 15-year-old Philip at home with his grandmother, Sarah Scholes. While alone in the house, Sarah felt a cold gust of wind despite the warm weather outside. When Philip re-entered the house, he noticed white powder was falling from midair all around the living room onto the floor. They both assumed falling from the, that the dust was falling from the ceiling, but it had just recently been decorated, so not like old dust or anything like that. Sarah consulted her daughter Mary Kelly, who lived across the road, who, when attempting to clean the white powder, slipped in a pool of water that had formed on the kitchen floor. Soon, numerous puddles began appearing on the kitchen floor, and Enid Pritchard, Pritchard uh, the, their, ne- their neighbor, immediately went to, to go turn off the water, uh, but the puddles continued appearing. Mrs. Kelly reported the water leaks to the water board, who sent someone to check on the condition of the you know, water supply. They surmised there was possible, that it was possibly just due to condensation and reported the problem to his manager. Within an hour later or so, the pool stopped appearing. This was only the beginning. Around 7 that evening, Philip called for his grandmother saying, It's happening again. It's happening again! Didn't sound like that, but it sounds like it more, with more gravitas. The kitchen, when they, when, they went, when they entered, was strewn with sugar and dry tea leaves, and as they stared at it, the button on the tea dispenser went slowly in and out, covering the draining board with tea. Well, you know what? You want a good cup of tea. That's all I'm saying. Mm, That sounds more like a waste of a good cup of tea. That is true. Wasteful poltergeist. (laughs) In desperation, Shara shouted, Stop it! As she did that, there was a loud crash that came from the hallway. When they went in to to go check and see, they were expecting like a burglar or something like that. When they got in there, they found it 
the only thing they found was a silent, dark, and empty room until the hall light clicked on by itself. And then they noticed. That's not cool. That is not cool. I know I've said this a lot in these stories and stuff, but this one is actually, like, really freaky. So uh, what they noticed when the when, once the light turned off was a plant that was normally at the foot of the stairs was now halfway up the stairs and missing its pot, which, upon further inspection, the pot was on the landing above. So the plant is in the middle of the stairs, pot is up at the top of the stairs. And it started at the bottom of the stairs. And they started at the bottom of the stairs. The crockery cupboard... And they noticed that was another noise, and they went to go investigate that. The, in the kitchen, again, the crockery cupboard was vibrating as if someone was trapped inside and trying to get out. So all the pots and cups were just banging around in there. This was also witnessed by Mary Kelly, again, who was brought over to check up on everything. Sarah asked the neighbors next door if they, if they were the ones who had been making the banging noises. When she asked them that, they looked at her. With, uh, with bewilderment on their face and asked, they thought they were that she was making the noises. So once when Sarah returned to the house, thankfully the, all the ruckus had ceased at that time. So they decided, oh, okay, let's just go ahead and let's get a good night's sleep. This has been enough for one night. So Sarah took Philip to bed, and as she was saying good night to him, a heavy chest of drawers began swaying all by itself without any explanation. Well, they decided that's the last straw for the night. They left the house and slept at, a, at the neighbor's house for fear for their own safety at that point. I seriously think I probably would have left after I see the whole tea thing or even the vibrations in the cupboard. I love how they kept saying it's, you know, nope, don't worry about it. Let's just go to bed. Nope, don't worry about it. Let's just go to bed. Okay, now we should leave. Right. So soon after this, Mr. and Mrs. Pritchard returned home from their holiday. By then, the disturbances had stopped and were basically just chalked up to being something that must have had a logical explanation because nothing had been happening since then, and for the next two years, there was no activity. However, as soon as it had stopped, the activity began again and and happened so frequently that the poltergeist soon became known as Fred to the family. So now at this point, in this phase of the, of the haunting, the main target of the activity was, the daughter, was daughter Diane, who was now 15 years old. She had experienced the majority of the, uh, the activity, often being thrown from her bed, waking up with her mattress on top of her, and in one instance being dragged up the stairs by her throat by an invisible hand that left lacerations on her neck. That, I, I think, is so scary. Just just the thought of something attacking you like that. Right, because you don't know how to fight it off. You're like, okay, I, there's nothing really grabbing on to me. It's just like a force. You yeah. Can't fight it off. So there were loud, inexplicable crashing sounds, especially common in the presence of outside, co- outside company. So whenever they had like guests or friends or something over, that seemed like the activity intensified. But we've seen that a lot of times. Usually if there's like outside people coming into an area, it's like it agitates whatever's there more. Yeah, and it also says so there's a theory that it might be – well, I think this is an old theory. I don't know if it's been disproven or not, um, so don't get mad at me if, I, if I'm wrong. But it, there's a theory that kids going through adolescence, so her turning 15, also could agitate stuff. Mm. Ghosts don't like puberty. Who does? 
right? So objects also would commonly go flying around the air and or and would crash or would dematerialize and reappear somewhere else in the house. On at least two occasions, exorcisms were attempted, but this only further agitated the situation. A family friend who was concerned about the family's well-being doused the doused holy water throughout the house. The poltergeist responded by painting upside-down crosses on the living room walls and doors and destroying all the crucifixes that decorated the home. So they were just pissing it off, basically. Yeah, I did not like that. They don't usually. Much later into the haunting, the first physical manifestations of the poltergeist occurred. Primarily, in one instance, Joe and Jean Pritchard allegedly saw a black-cloaked figure hovering over their bed, which soon dissipated. Soon other, soon other family members and guests reported seeing a figure that looked like a monk, though no face could ever be seen beneath the robes. So they could tell it was like a dressed like a monk of some sort, but they couldn't see its face. Shortly after... The physical manifestations were witnessed the haunting abruptly ceased at least for that family never occurred again to that family but that's not technically the end so it's almost like as soon as you acknowledged it and then it ceased so like the as the, soon as it made it made its presence physically known yeah it's like hey how's it going i'm a monk and then poof and, gone. and i'm out yeah <laughs> And that seems like such a douchebag move. It's like, really, you're gonna put me through all this now? I finally can put a face to the na- face to the activity, and you're just gonna just you're just gonna dip out on me. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> I see how you monks do. An author named Tom Cuniff later identified the poltergeist as a 16th century monk who was hung for the rape and murder of a young girl during the reign of Henry VIII. Coincidentally, the Pritchard's house is said to have been built right next to the site where the town's gallows was located. But what's because that's where because that's where you want to build a house. Well, but what's interesting is I've seen pictures of this, and and we'll probably get into it. But I've seen shows. It's not like oh, it's a lone house in the country. It's on like a what we in America would be kind of considered a busy street. I think like it's actually in front of like a roundabout. Like it's and there's a house like right you know next yeah. door, so it's it's so close to other yeah. houses that it's just weird that it's just in this one location and not in like the whole neighborhood or multiple houses. Kind of like when we talked about Black Hope Horror, where it was a mm-hmm. whole like four or five houses on the neighborhood, but it's just this one house, so it's strange. Right. So also the events that occurred in the house were recreated in a 2012 horror film called When the Lights Went Out, which was directed by Pat Holden. Gene Pritchard was Holden's aunt, and he witnessed many of the incidents firsthand in that house. We actually we tried to find this, this ridiculous film online in various areas, and we could not find anything more than a trailer. So well, when you say trailer. it's a ridiculous film, I think it was... It's, ridi- it's ridiculous because we can't find it. Not the yeah. film itself is ridiculous, but it's ridiculous that we can't find it. I know, and the trailer looks pretty dang good. Right? Got a real Amityville horror feel to it because it's, like, based in, like, the 60s. Oh, yeah. I think that... I don't know where I heard that saying before that it's basically the England's Amityville horror because it's basically a family who lived there and moved out. And I don't know if this is in your notes, but, like, now it's locked up. The house is locked up. But if you go there, like I said, this paranormal investigating team went there, and when you go in, it's 
it's not like something out of the 60s. Like it, it has a, the same decor. And I can't remember if they say that the family just abandoned everything and just left or if they kind of re restaged it. But I think it was because it's not like it's a museum. It's just like the neighbors have a key and just were like, we just lock it up because we don't want people going in. And they go in once in a while to clean up and stuff. But what was really interesting in the show was Paranormal Lockdown and they stayed 100 hours what was really interesting is the caretaker who was walking them around basically told them like knives are not allowed in the in the house and sometimes they'll go in and this is it's chain locked no one gets in or out like both doors are chain locked and um, sometimes they go in and they find knives and they don't know like kitchen knives and they don't know how they get in there as the film about the as the film about the haunting hit cinemas and public interest began to rose the house began getting numerous visitors. Locals say that locals began to say the black monk of Pontefract is beginning to stir again. In a newspaper interview with the current next door neighbor Carol Fields, no Carol Fieldhouse, I'm sorry, who by the way didn't know that the former owner Philip Pritchard had sold the long empty property to the film's producer Bill Bungay, if I said his last name right. So she said she had seen Philip tidying up in the front garden and quote. I went out and asked him if he had sold it to one of his nephews. I thought it must have been one of them because I knew that they were deaf and I'd heard the telly blasting out all night. He said, there's no TV in there. It's empty. Then he turned pale and said, God, it started again. I haven't seen him since, end quote. You know what? I wouldn't want to go back either, especially if you experience that. And like I said, so again, I watched Paranormal Lockdown. It's with Nick Goff. He's of, uh, oh, what's that? Ghost Adventures fame. But I like him and his partner. And I forgot her name. I'm so sorry. But I like them because it was only their, the, those two plus their cameraman. And the cameraman usually doesn't stay with them. He usually leaves at night and they sleep over at the place. And they'll usually only do it like 72 hours. But this one was 100 hours. And the evidence that they caught is just so interesting. They catch a really detailed, like, you see this shadow walk across this doorway. And I can't remember if the door was open or closed, but it's so scary. And then, you know, they're all upstairs because they were, like, in this bathroom, like, trying to look in the mirror. Because I guess that's one of the things where people see stuff in this mirror. And doors open like they catch it because they have the camera set up doors open and they're nowhere near it and I think they can like they have a ball in one of the rooms and it moves it's it's really interesting and just knowing the stories though that so many people have seen the experiences like not just the family but it was like the neighbors seen it and the people who take care of it now see it or see stuff or hear stuff it's just it's so strange and it really kind of creeps me out when you think about it when you really yeah, think about like see, what these people must have went through and you see pictures like people have actually taken other photos of like the they've seen an arm that looks like it's holding a rosary just kind of like materializing in a hallway they've seen a, a face in a mirror that looks like it's a you know a dude in the monk outfit there's a theory why that the uh, the daughter diane was being the was the focus of most of the second phase of the haunting is that because she was around the same age as the girl that the monk raped and murdered back in the 16th century so it was like he's focusing on 
her because, you know, that's what he likes. Yeah, you know what? There's theories, and you never know. It kind of, I mean, I, I just take everything with a grain of salt. Could it all be a hoax? Could it be like, you know, now they kind of say that Amityville Horror is, is more of a hoax. Um, but, yeah, it could be. You, you got to kind of look at the stories and and look at what people say. And I think for me is, unlike other stories where it's like, oh, it was a big movie and it was a big book and it's so famous. Like, if I remember correctly when I was researching this or when I was listening to this, it might be on Astonishing Legends, but I heard somewhere where the family basically didn't want people to know. And the only reason they finally did let people know is because it was the same thing as everyone. They just felt like they were going crazy. And they just had to get, like, a a second opinion almost. You know, like, you know, oh, you know it, why they didn't want anybody to know? They're British. You know, yeah, you know what? You never know. My My grandmother... Even though my mom was born in England, she was raised in America. But, like, my grandmother, you know, she really didn't talk about ghosts. And she was very superstitious. And mm. Well, you'd be superstitious, yeah. But there was a, there's always, like, especially, with like, the further back you go, there's, like, more of a certain things that you don't talk about because yeah. you don't want people to look at you funny. Yeah, and you don't, you don't talk about it because you don't want to sound crazy like not not just that people don't want to look at you funny but you don't want to put that out there because you don't know where that could go like would someone just come by one day knocking your door be like hey you're coming with us because you're a little crazy because you said people are talking to you in your house they'll slap you with a white coat yeah it's it's just kind of scary to think about that because i always remember my grandmother i i don't know why but one year like maybe i was watching like, I wasn't really into Star Trek, but I don't know why I was trying to do, like, the Spock, you know, the Live Long and Prosper. Yeah, I can't do that. I can only do it this way. I Every time I do it, the, like, if I can't, I can only do my, what's this, a pointer finger and my thumb on one side and the other three fingers. And I did that for my grandmother one time, and she got so upset. I mean, she wasn't mad or anything, but she was like, oh, don't do that, don't do that. And I'm like, why? I can, and I was like, I can do it on both hands. And she's like, don't do that, don't do that. And I'm like, why? And she's like, that's the witch's symbol. And I'm all like, what? I've never heard of that. But, like, she didn't let me do, like, you know, I couldn't I do that. Like, I feel like that's not a thing, but. Well, I mean, yeah, it might not have been a thing. But I just remember, like, she was very superstitious. There was, like, certain things we couldn't do. Certain things that we couldn't, like, she had white cats, I remember, because that was supposed to, no, black cats. She had black cats, because those were supposed to be good luck. White cats were bad luck. Okay, I don't know what part of England she came from, because that doesn't <laughs> sound like anything I've ever heard. I always heard, like, black cats were usually, they people would kill them because they thought they were witches familiars. I never heard of white cats being bad luck. And then birds pooping on you were, was really good luck. Well, that's just silly. <laughs> but again, though, I don't remember, and maybe it's something I, I have to ask my mom about, um, but I don't remember my, like, I remember my mom and my aunt and my dad, like, I remember them, like, probably being in their 30s, having these conversations about paranormal and spirituality and all that, but I don't remember my grandparents ever doing that. Yeah, like walking, walking down the street, bird takes a crap on your head, you'd be like, oh, it's like, oh, by Jove, I'm going to have a good day today. I know, right? Like, like, I don't, like, I don't no. get that. But I think that's the thing, though. But anyway, gosh, that's such a good story. Jay, you have to watch the Paranormal Lockdown on that episode. I think you would really enjoy it. That sounds interesting. And I'm still can... trying to 
people want to try to find that dang movie. Yeah, if we could find that movie, that would be nice. We should see if it's on for sale on Amazon. For but, sale. Or for rent. Oh, no, sometimes you can buy. Well, I would rent. I don't know to spend money on a movie if I don't even know if it's any good or not. <laughs> that is true. But, so, okay. that, so that was the Black Monk of Pontefract. Man, that was so good. You can oh, tell I was like, yeah, you can tell I liked it because I was just sitting here listening to it. Except when you're interrupting me. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Everybody heard it. <laughs> so uh, should we uh, take this home? Oh, wait, oh, no. We do shout out. Shout out. Okay, so we have a legendary listener shout out. We got some new listeners, at least one, in Anchorage, Alaska. That's exciting. I think that's our uh, first uh, listeners in Alaska. So thank you, Anchorage, for listening. Something listening to our podcast is something to do during that 30 days of night. Is that coming up? When is that? I have no idea, but it sounds, sounds like a wild ride. <laughs> okay, take us home, Jay. This has been another exciting and successful episode of Legends in the Dark. My name is Jay. And I'm Leslie. Your purveyors of the paranormal and your curators of the creepy. Be safe out there and good, good night. night.